All right, there's a lot going on, a lot going on that's, uh, that's hard in the world, but there's a lot going on that's good. And I'm, I'm not going to spend... Hi, it's so great to see you. <laughs> that's Darlene, welcome. Um, uh, I'm not going to spend the whole morning talking about uh, violence, because actually I'm going to spend the whole morning talking about the opposite of violence, which is kindness. And uh, But I want to acknowledge that it's been a difficult week in the country. And let's just be frank and brutally honest. We've seen highlighted in the news three dramatic violent acts. That doesn't scratch the surface of what this country and this world has seen in the last week. I mean, uh, violence is being propagated by the enemy, by the evil one, whose job description is to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's happening all over the place. And I do not in any way make light of death. Death is bad, wrong. It's from the enemy. It's senseless what's happening around the world. But I will remind you what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but of him who can put the soul in hell. And what we've heard from the team in Greece, and I'm just hearing more and more stories of, is uh, the kingdom of God expanding the goodness of God, the hope of the world, Jesus, breaking in on lives and transforming them for eternity, for eternity. So again, I'm not making light of what's happened this, this week. It's, it's awful. And we as Christians fight violence with kindness. Love is more powerful than hatred every time. But we do it with the recognition that even in the midst of the difficulty, the kingdom's expanding. And, you know, this, we read the end of the book. We win. And Jesus reigns. So I want to take a moment uh, to be silent before the Lord. And then I want to pray. Uh, I want to acknowledge the fact that lament is a true form of worship. Just read through the Psalms. There's a whole book called Lamentations. Right? Lament is a, is, a, is a pure form of worship. It is okay to cry before the Lord because the enemy is destroying God's people and the people that God created and loved. So lament is okay. We're not going to live in lament because we live in hope. But to, to be there, to grieve, how could we not grieve if we have the compassionate heart of God within us? When people are being killed, when, when refugees are, are expelled from their country because they know Jesus and the violence that goes through our lives as a people, there are people in this congregation in the last couple of weeks who have experienced tragedy and violence. So I'm going to take a few minutes. We're going to just be in God's presence. And it's okay to lament. We do so with hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said that there is not a hair of our head that hasn't been counted, numbered, not a sparrow that falls, that you don't know it and see it. So we know that you know all things, God. And we can't fathom or understand what's happening, why violence is increasing, why hatred is multiplying. 
But we thank you, Jesus, that you showed what perfect, powerful, unconditional love is by giving yourself, by giving your life for those in, at enmity with you. Holy Spirit, come and minister to us and baptize us with kindness this morning. We ask for that spirit of kindness to descend upon us, to rise up from within us. You would empower us with the goodness of God to go into a world that needs to know that you are good. We ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us through the scriptures. You'd open our minds and our hearts to receive and to act in faith. I ask, Lord, that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of our hearts now would be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting to me that um, the subject for this morning was picked before the events of the week. Um, I knew last Sunday I was going to speak about kindness this morning. And then it was just, I don't know, ironic and a bunch of other words I can't come up with right now to watch the week go by and just to see that uh, the violence that was highlighted. <clears throat> but I think the Lord wants to speak to us this morning about kindness. And uh, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to focus on verses 41 or 31 and 32. Next week I'm going to speak about forgiveness. That's a warning. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. One of the most powerful acts that God's given to us as a gift to receive and to give forgiveness. But this week, we talk about kindness. And I'm going to read uh, verse uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, but in context. So I've chosen some verses before that. Open your Bible if you have it. Only the last two verses are on the screen. So parts of Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned your, uh, the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We're in this series called Alelon, my new favorite word, which is about walking with one another as the body of Christ. Fifty separate commands about how we're supposed to treat one another. And so I, I recognize the context of the verse and the context of the series is one another. It's the person next to you. It's the believer that Paul is exhorting us to do these one another's to. 
remember that it is the way we treat one another that testifies to the world that Jesus is king. It's the way that we treat one another. I am all for being kind to the outsider, and we'll get to that. But it starts here, right? If we can't be kind to those we will spend eternity with in Christ, how can we pretend to be kind to those who are outside of the family of God? So I understand the context. Kindness is powerful wherever it goes. But Paul is talking about the person sitting next to you. Your believing spouse, your believing children, your believing neighbors, your believing enemy. That's who Paul's talking about. The command this morning, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I want to begin with kindness. Kindness is a powerful agent of change. So basically, you want the bottom line of the message this morning. I'll give it to you now and five or six more times. Violence destroys. Kindness transforms. Never underestimate the power of kindness. Violence destroys. We've seen it this week, and we've seen it throughout history. Kindness transforms. Kindness doesn't just add good. It creates good. I've got a biblical scripture right before that one. It's coming up later, okay? Titus chapter 3, I promise. Violence destroys, kindness transforms. Never underestimate the power of kindness. Martin Luther King Jr. I read this in the Indianapolis Star yesterday. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Martin Luther King Jr. Violence destroys. Kindness transforms. I was in another vineyard church this last Sunday, and though the, the, the message wasn't about kindness, so much of what the guy said, I mean, they're taking notes on my phone. So you're allowed to take notes on your phone, okay? It's legal. And this is what he said. He said, kindness is the opposite spirit of violence. We fight violence with kindness. Kindness is the opposite spirit of violence. We fight violence with kindness. He, he went on to say that we don't become a better country. He happened to be talking about a different country, but we don't become a better country by electing better politicians as a bottom line rule. We become a better country by becoming better people. There's real power in that statement. I mean, the, the power of one. Violence destroys, kindness transforms. Never under, underestimate its power. And I'll remind you this morning that if you're a believer in Jesus, that means that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Can we have a hearty amen? amen. Thank you. That was relatively hearty. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, meaning if you know Jesus, you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you have the Spirit of kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's gift from God to us. You don't get to go out in the world and say, I'm just a rascally old so-and-so. Well, you might be, but you have the spirit of kindness in you, right? It's a gift. And so um, Paul is talking in Colossians, and he says we should clothe ourselves with kindness. In fact, it's worth reading. It's, it's like 
The Holy Spirit couldn't come up with something new in Colossians that he'd already given to Paul in Ephesians, so it, it sounds almost exactly the same. Since God chose you, Colossians three twelve and 13, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, that's a great sermon. Lori, will you give that message? Thank you. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. You have it. So wear it. Clothe yourself with it. Kindness is hanging in your spiritual closet. Take it out. Sometimes, uh, I, I actually... This may shock you. I don't own a lot of clothes. <laughs> I said to Jane this morning, how do you feel about this shirt today? And she's like, if there's like a moment of hesitation, I know, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I said, well, I need a shirt, you know. So she digs around. She found this one. It's fine, right? It's a fine shirt. I don't have a lot of shirts. Sometimes I'll walk in on a Sunday and I'll have a shirt on and people will come up. I, you notice these things, I guess. And they'll say, hey, that's a new shirt. <laughs> That is not a black polo. I am so shocked. They're like, that's a new shirt. And normally what I say is, no, it's not a new shirt. I just found it in my closet and figured I ought to pull it out. <laughs> Kindness is hanging in your closet. Pull it out. Put it on. It looks really good on you. It looks good to the world when believers in Jesus walk around clothed in kindness, dripping with kindness, saturated with kindness, and just overflowing. I'll tell you, isn't it great to, to, to walk out into the world and to just a, a small act of kindness and see the light of God come into the, to a place, an atmosphere change. We do change atmosphere as believers. We carry the presence of God. We can bring the light of God's presence into places. Kindness transforms violence destroys never underestimate the power of kindness i i couldn't get through the message without noting an interesting fact because it's just it's for real it's often more difficult to be kind to the ones close to us than to be the kind to the ones far from us is do you agree now some of us some people in the world don't can't be kind to anybody you know <laughs> it's like what's in comes out no matter what. I find it's much easier to be kind to people I don't know because it costs less. Because kindness to someone close to you, kindness to a spouse, kindness to a child, kindness to a sibling or a friend, kindness to an ex, kindness to someone you knew a long time ago and you had a falling out, that's real hard because it costs a lot. Why is that? I think it's because kindness to the stranger can be a, an external kindness. We can just sort of dish it out. It doesn't cost anything in here. But kindness to the one that we know, to the one that's hurt us, to the one that, let's be honest, will hurt us again, more than likely, that requires core kindness. And I remind you this morning, believers in Jesus you have access to core kindness. Not just the kindness of the world, 
that looks good, uh, you know, at the at the end of a, a news broadcast to sort of say, hey, it's not all negative. Look at this nice person with a puppy, right? Kindness. I'm, I'm glad for kindness in the world, but I'm talking about core kindness, the kindness that we show our inner transformation to one another, the kindness that says, I forgive you, though you hurt me again. The kindness says, I will do good to you, though you've done evil to me. Romans 12, Paul says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Never underestimate the power of kindness, especially when it's supernaturally motivated from your core and everything else in you wants to be violent. If you weren't stirred to anger a little bit this week, well, you were. (laughs) We all were. I mean, stirred to anger and just feeling this righteous indignation, like, Jesus, where are you? And that's the compassionate heart of God that comes out of us. But kindness from our core requires understanding, which is sacrifice. A willingness to see life from another's perspective. A willingness to take ourselves out of the center of our thoughts. Right? (laughs) To... To walk into a situation and see what's happening with people around us and to take ourselves and our own self-protection and so forth, our own even desires at times, and take them out of the center of our thoughts and actually understand what's it like for another person? What does it feel like? You know, what, what's hooking them that we can't see? The Kayim Potok wrote a book called The Chosen, and in the, in the epic. Epigram? Epigraph? The little thing at the beginning of that book, ep- that one, he's, he's, he has this little story. It's a quote from Carl Menninger, who was one of the fathers of modern psychiatry. This is what he says. <clears throat> so just get the picture of this while you're listening. When a trout rising to a fly, we're talking about fishing, hooks, blood, okay? When a trout rising to a fly gets hooked on a line and finds himself unable to swim about freely... He begins with a fight which results in struggles and splashes and sometimes an escape. Often, of course, the situation is too tough for him. Keith Gilbert's like, that's right, I'll get that fish. (laughs) In the same way, the human being struggles with his environment and with the hooks that catch him. Sometimes he masters his difficulties. Sometimes they're too much for him. His struggles are all that the world sees and it naturally misunderstands them. It is hard for a free fish to understand what is happening to a hooked one. It's a great image. Look at the people around you, the believers around you, the ones you have trouble with, all right? And we all have them. The people you hear on the news that you don't want to hear on the news, whatever it is, look at them. If somebody is flailing about, there's a reason. It doesn't make it okay. That's not the point. But if someone is flailing about, there's a reason. And ask the Lord. I mean, you can use this language as as you feel your your anger, your bitterness, your rage, your hatred, your self-righteousness, whatever it is, like, you know, stoking itself up when someone's treating you poorly or acting out in a way you don't like. And ask the Lord the question, what's hooking them? What, What hook of the enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil has got them right now? I think if we would simply ask the question, God, what's going on in their heart? More often, 
we would save ourselves from a, a lot of useless bickering and, and conflict that isn't required. Conflict is not a bad thing. Conflict is a good and healthy thing. Conflict transforms relationships into authenticity, right? But conflict has to involve kindness, which involves understanding. Boy, if, if, if we can let the Holy Spirit do this in and through us as a people, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in the places that we work and shop and play, this is a transformational impact on the city that we're talking about. The kindness of God. What if there was a revival of kindness in Indianapolis? What if there was a revival of kindness? What would it look like? Lots of free Starbucks, I guess. I don't know. Probably much better than that. Violence destroys. Kindness transforms. Never underestimate the power of kindness. Kindness takes fortitude. Kindness takes real strength. I'm talking about core kindness. I'm talking about an, an attitude of kindness, a lifestyle of kindness. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tender-hearted. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We almost got through the whole sermon without a Greek word, but I won't let that happen. Tender-hearted. All right. The root of the word is splunkna, which means bowel. All right. Bowel. So someone who is tender hearted, the word actually means like literal translation. And he'll back me up on this. Good bowels. When Jesus was weeping over the city, it says he was moved with compassion. Exact same word. Fortitude. His whole insides, the Hebrews and the Greeks didn't know how else to say it except bowels, guts. His guts were churning with the love of God. He couldn't bear it and it came out in tears. That's tenderhearted. Tenderhearted isn't a pat on the head, good little boy. Tenderhearted means my soul is with your soul. My emotions are with your emotions. My passion is with your passion. That's called compassion. That's, what, that's, that's the heart of Jesus. And so Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus, who was what? Tender-hearted, good bowels, strong guts, because kindness takes fortitude. It takes real strength. We need the power of God to treat others the same way we want to be treated. We need the power of God in, our, in the transformation of our minds and in the, the subsequent releasing of the transformation of our spirits to actually come out in kindness. I, I don't have one in my mind right now, but story after story I've heard through 20 years of ministry where kindness was the first step to someone meeting Jesus. Often kindness in response to something that's anger or bitterness, or rage. The Greece team saw kindness. What was it the first of, of each of those salvation stories? The kindness of God expressed hands and feet, good bowels through human, through people. We need the power of God to speak kindly from our core. And God created kindness. Titus 3, 3 to 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, 
he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It takes the power of God to release the kindness of God. Violence destroys. Violence in our speech, in our attitude, violence in our writing, in our Facebook posts, in our Twitter tweets, right? Violence destroys, but kindness transforms. Never underestimate the power of kindness. It's a powerful agent of change. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we have it so we can put it on because we know Jesus. Kindness requires understanding, a conscious choice to see from another's perspective. Kindness requires sacrifice. That's why Jesus can say, be kind, because he, he knows what it takes to sacrifice himself. God responded to the violence of our sin with the kindness of love and has forever changed us. Maybe you think that kindness is small, it's insignificant, an act of kindness is, is a drop in the bucket compared to the violence that's kind of washing over the world. And I just say, don't believe that lie. I'll end with a quote also uh, stolen quite handily from the pastor from last week. Thank you, Alan. Really appreciate it. This is a quote from uh, Edward Everett Hale. I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. I will not let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. We, we, can, we can fall into such a malaise of despair, even as believers, when we look at what's happening in the world. And I say, send despair back to hell, where it came from. We have the hope of the world living within us. The kindness of God has descended in Jesus. The perfect sacrifice creating perfect unconditional love within us to be expressed to the world so that they can understand perfect, unconditional, never-ending love. Don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. The act of kindness, the attitude of kindness the commitment to kindness in your family relationships, kindness with yourself, created by God you were. Oh, I sound like a Star Wars thing. Created by God, kindness towards yourself because violence destroys and kindness transforms. Never underestimate the power of kindness. I want to ask the ministry team to come forward. And Jeff, could you come? Ministry team, come on forward. I want to... I want to do something specific today, but I understand that God might be doing some other things too. So as the ministry team comes forward, I want to ask you if any specific, God's given you any specific direction. But here's what I want to pray. I want to pray for a baptism of kindness this morning. And so I want to ask anyone who wants a baptism of kindness to come forward. And if you want that, I don't have to explain a lot, just come forward now. It's okay if you don't, but if you want it, I want you to come forward and stand in front of someone here in the ministry team or just stand in the front.